It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's NewOrleans.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you, especially today. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limousine or just got out of jail or just checking their notes. What have you got on those notes there, Grant? You can keep them out if you like. Yeah, I just wondered, see them. I just wondered what it was. They're like that, all crossing outs and all sorts of like a shopping this list. This is my to-do list. Oh, Move so we can hear you. For the week. What's on your to-do list? Um, Get on uh, the podcast. Well, I was actually I was thinking I, I would use the introduction to mentally cross off a bunch of stuff I did today. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you want to cross anything off now before I keep going? No, or? no, please. Okay. Well, where was I? What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limousine or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you because that's New Orleans and this is Happy Hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common. Other than we're all New Orleanians in a bar, today we're at Wayfair on Ferret Street, which is a bar and a restaurant where they serve handcrafted food and spirits. They put fine dining into a sandwich and fine booze into a glass. They have a three-hour happy hour here, every day here from four to seven. And they make awesome sandwiches. If you guys try them, I see Mr. Tony over here is trying one. Which one did he get in the end? What did you get, Tony? Oh, yeah. Good meat. That's awesome. I love that. There's a window. You can watch it happening. That's the voice of Andrew Duhon you're listening to there. Yeah, they a slow motion should check Charlie Sheen in at the window. Ooh. Charlie Sheen? Too soon. I didn't get that. Is it some sort of a reference to something? I just, I don't know. I guess he came down with a terminal illness and he's, he's hiv positive what what yeah. what oh what charlie sheen news? yeah Is no really? when did that happen randy? yesterday yeah. before yesterday yeah really? well it happened four years ago but he announced <laughs> so, yesterday. Uh. so this is randy mack who's joining us who's a, a filmmaker and he's got a list of things to do and we're <laughs> going to get to that in a minute we're also joined by dominic blander Hi. hello dominic hello and next to him is a gentleman by the name of ryan duke and these two gentlemen uh, collectively go by the name of The Fixes, is which correct. is an awesome band, which if you don't know who that is, stick around because we're going to have some live music from them. Really impressive uh, new album they've come out with called From Nola With Love. Ish. It's an EP. Yeah. It's it, not really an album, I guess, no, 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 but no. it's still awesome. Right, right. It's I'm really cool. impressed with it. Oh, I think it's you. great. Andrew Duhon is back from uh, nowhere. Yeah, no, I've been here for a few weeks now. And the exciting news of the day is our fabulous photographer, Alison Moon, is here. Hi, yeah. Alison. Hey. Hello. And she's here. She's not behind the camera. She's behind the I mic. Know, we've, yeah, we've it feels really weird to be behind the microphone. I know, it is very weird. I won't make you do it for long, but we want to drag you onto the show because Alison just got back this morning, technically, right? Well, I got, yeah, I landed After midnight last tonight. Night. <laughs> right. From Paris, France, where, of course, it's all happening. Oh. Yes. So... She and you were there, of course, in the middle of this whole disaster that occurred. So I was in what? France for a month. I, la- I arrived in Paris on Friday right before the attacks. Wow. What time? Um, I got there in the morning, and then the attacks happened l- later that evening. That makes you wow. a little suspicious, right? <laughs> were you a suspect? No. I wasn't anywhere near the action, so it was okay. Where had you come from? I had just come from... Uh, Rheims, the land of champagne. Okay. Did you have any champagne while you were there? I had a lot of champagne. Okay. <laughs> I was kind of that hungover when I arrived that really? morning in Paris. You still look a little hungover, frankly. <laughs> well, I'm, I have a cold and I have really bad jet lag right now. Right. Okay. Well, just keep the microphone <laughs> over on your side of the table in that case. Yes. Hey, so you got there. What day was this when this all happened? Friday. Friday. So you got there on Friday morning. What were you intending to do while you were in Paris? Uh, I had a lot of plans, like going to the Louvre. There was a catacomb tour that I wanted to do, Versailles, and 
see the Eiffel Tower and Champs-Élysées, but a lot of that ended up being closed after the attacks. So what did you end up doing? Walking around and sitting in little cafes and sipping (laughs) coffee all day. That was about it. And were you talking to Parisians? Do you know people there, or were you by yourself? I do have a few friends there, and I had met a few um, Parisians. Parisians. Yeah. How do they, what's the word? What's the French word <laughs> for Parisians? Parisians. Um, Paris, yeah. Okay. Just, you just say it with a French accent. <laughs> well, I can't do that. Can you speak French? Uh, I can speak French a little bit, and I did practice a lot while I was there. I don't know how much better it got, though. Well, it's better than ours, I'm sure. So, what was what? Ha- so, how did you find out about what happened? So that night, I was at a jazz club with a friend. It was an underground jazz club, so she wasn't getting any text messages or internet notifications. Mm. And I left a little early because I was tired. I had just, like I said, I had spent the whole day hungover from champagne the right. previous day. What time of the night is this we're at now? I ended up leaving the jazz club around midnight. And then by the time I got back to my hotel room from the metro and everything, it was 1230. And I looked at my phone, and I had about 20 Facebook messages that were like, are you okay? What's going on? Wow. My sister especially was freaking out. So. And you didn't know anything about what was going on? I didn't, no. So they were asking me what was going on, and I had to respond to all of their wow. messages so you, But you first. had no clue at all? No. So how did you find well, out? I had actually heard people talking on the subway, because I can understand French, and I kept hearing them say 30 dead, but I didn't know what they were referring to, because that's all that they were saying was 30 dead. But everybody was talking to each other and the subway was really it was not that crowded so i was kind of curious as to why it wasn't that why crowded. 30 and people were dead had you did that yes. were you worrying wondering about that yes so i thought maybe what they was were your supposition yeah what were you thinking they were maybe talking about an attack somewhere else oh, right. mm-hmm. and then when i got back to the hotel room and checked my phone and was able to finally get on the internet and saw what was happening that's when all these police sirens kept flying by my hotel room. and So the interesting thing to me about this story so far is that you don't have your phone on you. Well, I had my phone on me. It's just I have an American phone yeah. plan. Oh, I so have you have to f- wait till you're on Wi-Fi. Yeah, back Wi-Fi. Your hotel. Right. Ah, right, okay. So you knew nothing at all. I knew so you're actually traveling across Paris during the time yes. after this attack. You Which know. I probably, in retrospect, shouldn't have been doing. Well, you know, you are just traveling, but you didn't know. You are mm-hmm. doing the freedom thing. <laughs> but you know what was really nice is that you know I have my own qualms about social media but I think you know I pulled up I remember pulling up my Facebook and you and f- like four more of my friends had checked in mm-hmm. from Paris to let you know everybody know that they were okay I thought that was that was really nice mm-hmm. really yeah. really comforting you know to but that was have a Facebook, Facebook thing, institute right? this thing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, did a lot of people check on Facebook with you I mean was that a useful I mean Facebook obviously had this stashed in their back pocket ready for a disaster mm-hmm. yeah I think they've done it before yeah I think they had um, started that the little check in thing for a previous disaster so people could check in mm-hmm. right hmm I wonder if Facebook was behind the whole thing no oh. is it possible <laughs> beware the man of one book exactly <laughs> anyway so what an amazing co- uh, coincidence sort of weird that you would be in the I mean it's like being in the middle of history for a minute mm-hmm but did it have any, I mean, other than it ruined your whole trip because you couldn't do anything, oh, did it have I, any personal effect on you? Were you scared? Did you make you reconsider traveling or anything? No, I, not at all. Um, so, so, well, the funny thing was is everything, there's always something that goes terribly wrong when you plan a trip like this. Like that. I was there for a month, so I was expecting something to go wrong. And nothing went wrong the entire time other than what I thought was. So the funny thing was, 
I had initially talked about going to the show, the Eagles of Death Metal show, because I'm a big fan. Oh, goodness. And I didn't know when I was getting back to Paris, but it was something that I had looked into possibly doing. And when I didn't know when I was getting back to Paris, I was like, "Ah, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to have time to plan everything around it. And then I had actually booked an Airbnb right in the place where the other shootings were going on, the Place de la République. And they ended up canceling on me the day before that I arrived. So it worked out. Lucky. Yeah, it very much worked out in my favor. But as for the attacks themselves, it was just, it was very hard to stay in the city for the next couple of days. There was just a heaviness that was hanging over everybody. Mm. And you could, it was just very hard to be there. Everybody was trying to move on and go on with their lives as best as possible, but it was just very difficult. It felt kind of like you were in a war state. If you would go to a place like the Eiffel Tower, or the Champs-Élysées, which, you, I mean, you couldn't get that close to it because they, they didn't want tourists gathering around all these things. Mm. There was just a lot of security guards, like, with full machine guns and uniform, mm. military everywhere. Even just, like, strolling down the street, they would walk in into, like, a subway car, and everybody would just go deathly silent. Mm. Wow. What an experience. And what are people, were people talking about what they expect to happen now? I mean, ordinary people, like, you know, we would talk about, after Katrina, we talked about nothing else, nonstop for probably years. What are they talking about? A lot of them are expecting there to be, like, a really full-on war now. A lot of them are very worried about other attacks that might actually happen in the city or around France because they think this isn't the last that they've seen of it. So they're kind of... Some of the Parisians I've met are very much expecting it to get a lot worse, whereas some of the other people that I know there but who are Americans are like, uh, I don't think it'll be as bad as they're anticipating it to be. That's the American versus the French mentality. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. But it, it'll mm. just be kind of a wait and see, unfortunately. Okay, so who are, the, who are these? Who, what was the name of this band again? Eagles of Death Metal. Do you guys know who they are? Yeah. 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 Everyone knows who they are. They're a really I'd good band. I've never heard of them. Randy, you never heard of them either. No. I'd never heard of them, but you know Charlie Sheen has AIDS, so that's something. I know this show has really started off on a positive note. Come, come, come on a little bit over here, Dominic. So, yeah, it is a pretty upbeat sort of a show today, actually. Well, you, you don't know, call it happy hour for nothing. Get, yeah, get, you know, you get to drink, and whether you're sad or happy or somewhere in between, you know, bars will always be open. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get on happy. I mean, sometimes it's not so funny. Yeah. No, not equals a death not. metal, right? That's unbelievable, though, that first of all, you could have been at that show, and mm. secondly, you could have been at the other location where people were going down outside, which you mm. easily could have been sitting outside in a cafe mm. at that time. God, how, you must, how do you feel about that, actually, Alison? It all works out for a reason, so like it, since it didn't happen, I'd try not to think about it. Do you think God spared you or Satan? Uh, or Allah? <laughs> I think it was just, um, oh, shoot, there is a travel god that I, it's like a Greek travel god that I forget the name of that I think was kind travel of guide. maybe you should it's remember travel that guide. <laughs> <laughs> is it, is a Greek Fodor <laughs> I forget yeah. the, the name of the god but right there's a Greek god of travel it's pretty yeah, ironic me. though that you went to to France leaving from New Orleans to go mm-hmm. to France and then you wound up hanging out in a jazz club and then after that <laughs> walked the streets it and was sipped a, coffee in different it was actually a, chess, a Czech jazz club like under the Czech embassy they have this lounge where they and it was a Hungarian jazz band (laughs) were they any good? they were very good okay what are they called? Uh, it was a Hungarian name that I couldn't pronounce Goulash 
<laughs> okay. Well, what a story, Alison. Well, thank God you're okay. And yes. sorry you had to have your trip ruined, but God, what a great experience. In a sense, I mean, not a great experience, but mm-hmm. what a hell of an experience. Yeah. To have been I through wish that. It, it never would have happened, unfortunately. I wish I could come back saying that, oh, yeah, the paintings at the Louvre are amazing. Or but we, we never would have had you on. We would have just said, hey, Alison's back <laughs> from France. How awesome. I would still have preferred that than yeah, to what no happened. Yeah, no kidding. I know. It's horrible. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what does happen, mm-hmm. of course, next. Somebody at Iano Broadcasting, and I, I can't say who, put a, a, tw- a tweet today on, on our Twitter account, which has got a, a bit of retention. I thought it was funny, but... See if you guys, you know what happened today? The French police stormed a, an apartment somewhere in France, mm-hmm. and there were two people in there. And I think they were looking for the person who masterminded this, and one of them was a woman. Right. Who oh, was, I saw that tweet. Yeah. She was wearing a bulletproof. I mean, a bulletproof. She was wearing a, a bomb suicide vest. bomb vest, mm-hmm. and she blew herself up. Mm-hmm. So someone put on the INO thing. Uh, Do you think there's a guy somewhere in Paris relieved he doesn't have to make that breakup phone call? Oh. Uh, I thought that was funny. Actually. I think it's funny. Okay. Yeah. What do you think? She <laughs> blew it up. Come on. You know? I mean, she blew herself up. Yeah. So, don't you think every guy, you know, sits around saying, God, you know, she's gone pretty crazy lately. I don't know how I'm going to do I it. I think, but. Uh, you know, it's always, isn't that the tough thing in, in like moments of, of, you know, tragedy and where you don't feel like it's your right to decide when, uh, you know, uh, comedy is okay because you weren't the most hurt by something but then you look at that did you see the Charlie Hebdo uh, illustration Uh, uh, since the attacks they did an illustration something like uh, it was a guy drinking champagne with bullet holes and the champagne coming out of him that said something like fuck you at least we have champagne or something you know just uh, going for it as they do you know unaffected it's hard with comedy you know, yeah. too, you though, know. comedy sometimes in, in these instances are a good, um, are, are, the, are almost the voice of reason. You know, mm. that, that what you just described almost seems more like you can do your terrorist attacks, do whatever evil you want to do, mm-hmm. but we are who we are. Yeah, you we know, will this remain is, unterrorized. Right, and, and yeah. that's, that's an amazing, you know, amazing yeah. thing to me. And that's when, you know, comedians who often, like, you look, to you know just to laugh at and Absolutely. stuff can this is when they can be strong for yes. us this is when we need them you right. know it's a, and yeah. i say that because my brother is a stand-up comedian sweet his is name's really leon nice blanda segue. yeah he, leon blanda yeah leon blanda i'm gonna write that down we're gonna look at him up who was it that said uh, you know it's a strange world when we get our politics from our comedians and our comedy from our politicians you know and it's, <laughs> but that's that's what it kind of is these days and right. it has probably been for a long time really you know yeah, there aren't many politicians that we look up to and think are statesmen and, no, and leaders, just, even at a time like this. <laughs> All right, that's true. Anyway, that was our tweet on I. I'm glad you saw that, Randy. You thought it was funny, right? Well, <laughs> not real. <laughs> I'm a comedy snob, so. Well, who do you think's funny? Comedy wise? Yeah, who's your like favorite? Yeah, Leon Blanda's pretty funny. Yeah, he's hilarious. <laughs> Leon Blanda's awesome, right? <laughs> when was the last time you saw the Leon Blanda show, the HBO um, special? Oh, at a show at House of Blues that he does every Wednesday night. Right? Yeah, I've seen him. Uh, but I saw him at, um, I want to say, Indywood when, when Indywood was uh, back on Illusion Fields. Oh, did you I really? Think he hosted something. Um, okay, he's not making it up. I thought oh, it was. Oh, wow, true. I thought it was yeah. too. Randy, nice. Give me that $20 okay, back, yeah. please. <laughs> no way, man. <laughs> so, um, what is Indywood? Indywood is um, a, a new movie theater that these two kids from uh, Colorado started. Um, what, what are their names? Did we have those about guys? About a year and a half ago. Maybe Will and Haley Sampson. Um, 
and um, they put it in the uh, laundromat behind the spotted cat on Elysian Fields, that, ah. that wash dry fold place. Um, and they, you know, they tried to do a seven show a week movie theater, like basically from scratch with borrowed chairs and a screen and a, you know, DVD projector. Um, and then they lost the lease abruptly uh, the, the spring. Um, and they used to host, I think it was called, um, I want to say like comedy kickboxing. Does that ring a bell? Something <laughs> it's like a that. It's a good idea. Yeah. There's two things that don't usually go together. Right. Yeah, it was a, it was a cool thing because the comedy scene in New Orleans is really kind of exploding. Um, there's, I think there's 10 or 11 weekly comedy shows in the city. That's so more than one a week. That's the. It's kind of crazy. Two and that's on top is of more than one a night. One a day, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. So it's, okay. it's, uh, it's pretty. I mean, if you're into comedy, you can go. You know, you're. Hey, I got to ask you a question. Full. What's wrong with your headphones? Why don't you just put them on like a normal person? <laughs> because they're. It's um, they're. Oh, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. You that lose. was giving me a heart attack. I was yeah. just not going to fill <laughs> There's a reason somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Randy had his headphones on the back of his head like you see guys in recording studios. Yeah, that's like, the yeah. way, uh, that's what I... Uh, why, do they, why do you do, is that some sort of a movie thing? It's a, it's a recording thing. I'm uh, in the middle of post-production on a, on a feature called Laundry Day, and I've been doing a lot of um, sound editing. Um, and so I wear, I have Sennheiser cans and I, oh, yeah, I wear fancy. them backwards. Well, you've got shitty ones. Why do you put, so you put them on so that the, the thing that goes so, on your head is on the so back I, of your head. What's the, what's the object of that? Um, it just, the, it, I don't know. It I, doesn't I don't, squ- I don't doesn't like my hair getting messed up because, you know. Is that true or are you just kidding? I, no, I'm kidding, yeah. Well, so what, it doesn't squash your ears or something? No, it's about heat. It's about getting hot and ah. getting sweaty scalp and, and stuff. And, yeah. Does it stop the headphones getting hot? Because that is a... Well, pain in the ass, quite frankly. Yeah, um, the mine have a deeper ear holes than these, so it's not an issue. But I like the way the the mm. headpiece sits on the back of my collar. Okay. Actually, why didn't you bring your own headphones? Because I didn't didn't know there were headphones. I didn't involved. even know there were headphones. I wish you would have sent sent out something to be like, yeah, hey, please bring your own headphones. Because now I well, can't wear mine wh- like I want to. Where's Grant? Grant's a ponty up. You already have a hat on. <laughs> she really, a, we need to improve prepare. on that in the future. We need mm-hmm. to ask people to bring their own headphones if they have a favorite. I'd, I'd like to apologize on the behalf of everyone involved. I'm sorry. Over the years, we really let us down. Everybody. Okay, so. What, Laundry Day is a movie that you wrote and directed? That's right, yeah. And what's it about? I know what it's about. It's on in, in my thing here. Look, I'll tell you. Now, here's Maisha Francis, by the way. See, I've got her bio here. Yeah, she's not here. She's not here because of the weather. She's just I didn't realize today. that was an option. It's just a whole lot of dudes. Humid. Yeah, it's a big sausage fest. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I Pretty didn't realize fun. that you could not you know, show up to something you had an obligation for, even if you didn't really want to do it. If you, you should try running a store. Well, you just make up an <laughs> excuse. <laughs> the weather. She called, in, yeah. she called Graham and said she's not here because of the weather. Whether or not she wanted to come. Whether or not she wanted to come. Exactly. Well, put, what store do you run, Randy? Um, Randy. Uh, you can call me whatever Dominic. you want. It's cool. <laughs> can we edit that later? No. Yeah. I'll go back and change that because that's awful. I actually what, uh, run a, a Starbucks. You run a Starbucks? A Starbucks Which one? Oh, nice. It's in Slidell right off uh, uh, I-10. Mm. By the, um, Which by exit? The, the second Slidell exit coming from New Orleans. No, third Slidell exit coming from New Orleans. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's usually why my workers don't come because they forget near, what exit near it is. Near the gentleman's club? <laughs> yeah, near, yes, What's actually that called? it is. The hubcap? Scuttlebutt. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah nice. I keep meaning to stop. I really mean to stop by. You know, I just, or scuttlebutt? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's Sorry, a great name for a strip club, my God. It, oh, yeah. Scuttlebutt. It's classy. Yeah. That's what it is. It's classy. I just, it's, yeah. It seems homegrown. 
Yeah, I'm sure my company is going to love how I talked about Starbucks and Scuttlebutts in the same. We're just talking about nearby businesses. When right. people get out of a, a Scuttlebutts at 3 a.m. or 5 a.m., they probably need a coffee. coffee. Yeah. What time do they open Starbucks at? Um, 4.30 in the morning. Oh, wow. You have to be there at 4.30? Or no, we have open? to be there for 4. Oh, I just oh don't sleep. God. Yeah. I don't Are you kidding? N- no. They open Starbucks at 4.30. That one that? in particular. Why? Who's awake it's at 4.30? It's to get that Scuttlebutt crash. Yeah, it's to get <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Who's awake at 4.30, though, legitimately, I mean, other than going um, home? The other workers who People have like, to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Is anyone up at 4.30 to start the day other than going home at 4.30? Yeah, we have a couple of EMTs who come okay. in every mm-hmm. morning. Wow. So, yeah. What time? Wow, Thanks for that. Amazing. So, you, <laughs> do you, how many nights a week do you play music? Um, I guess probably like three or four, depending right. on how motivated we are. We practice a couple of nights. We probably play two or right. three times a month, you know. So, it's um, like the comedy show. There's more comedy shows in town than you play. There are more comedy so shows. Did, actually, we if get you got our, together with yeah. Leon. Right. We, you could open we do, for him. actually. Yeah. yeah we, occasionally, yeah, we do. Because he, he's got a good. <clears throat> venue at the House of Blues, so we, you know, we frequent he's, there. He plays the House of Blues. Yeah, he does. He's got a weekly show at the House of Blues every Wednesday night, and then Tuesday and Thursday at uh, Jack's Brewery. So he runs three of those eleven comedy shows. So he's a doing week. three comedy shows a week. Three comedy Leon shows. Leon Blander and his comedy shows. And so you get to open for him, or um, sometimes, sometimes I make him uh, open for me because then it turns into. You know, who does mom love more kind of a thing. <laughs> Who's the oldest? Kind right. of, he is by 16 months. Though. 16 months? Yeah. I had his ankle. <laughs> I had it. Yep. He just slipped right by you. Bastard. And you're both from Slidell or you just moved me. to Slidell? Um, no, we're from New Orleans. We just moved to Slidell. So you intentionally as an adult made a decision to move to Slidell. That's interesting. No, not really. We just never got back it? here. Oh, after the Starting storm. with this interview. That's and weird because, uh, you know. <laughs> Slidell was actually, when we got back here from what? From after Katrina you're talking about? No, no, no. This was, uh, just since we were kids, we moved to uh, Slidell oh, so with did. my family. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's what we were born in New Orleans, moved to Slidell at an early age, and then right. slowly branching okay, out. So you were brought up in Slidell? Brought up in Slidell. Okay, so that's a big question then. Is uh, Slidell High or Salmon? Is what? Which high school did you go to? Oh, I don't want to talk about that. Because <laughs> technically it wasn't in Slidell where I went to high school. You didn't go to Pearl River, by the What? I didn't hear that. I'm okay. sorry. Next question. That's interesting. <laughs> wow, that's a, te- that's a terrible decision your parents made to the Pearl River. You hear that, Mom what and ma- Dad? What made them, what made them think of a thing like that? Um, they, didn't, they didn't think of it. It just sort of happened. Right. You know. Just Why like you. Why, this show is so dark. Well, you must have, uh, <laughs> you know, I went, he people went, on. Ryan went to Pearl River, too. Did you go to Pearl River High as well? Yes, I did. Yeah. Well, one good thing came out of it. You met each other, I assume. Then. Right. How and did you meet? And in then school? the romance well, began. We met each mm-hmm. other when we were, you know, basically kids. We grew yeah. up together. Um, well, high school was regarded as kids, too, I think. Well, sure. much you earlier than that. You know, what we what were, age? No, what? you see the way these kids dress nowadays? Sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to get that accent in here. Okay. I got so many more. What a sentence. What, what, French. Is, what is wrong with this high school? I want to know. Pearl River. T- tell them what's wrong with Pearl River. Hi. Um, nothing at all. No, not can we? Um, can we edit Pearl River? And, no, I'm just kidding. Well, Pearl, Pearl River is technically in Louisiana, right? Oh, is yeah. it? But yeah, you'd think sure. it's in Mississippi. Put it that way. Oh, man. <laughs> that's, I think that's the best description. We think that's accurate. It's, it's basically, it's just a, um, it's a very boring town. There's not a whole lot to do. No, we have, a, um, we have like t- 
two gas stations now. Yeah. We, I'm okay. not, I haven't lived there we, in years. We, our newest arrival was a McDonald's. There's a McDonald's there. Okay. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, Randy, is that I, I worked in a radio station in Slidell, which is why I know about all these places. And <laughs> kids would call up on yeah. that station and they would say, you know, like, hi, can you play something or whatever. As soon as they said the word hi, I knew that they were calling from Pearl River. Like well, it's there, there's some sort ha? of accent in Was Pearl. It ha? I don't know. How do you do That's it? That's another one of my accents. Can you, you know do that? a can you do a Pearl River accent, you guys? Um, you you go, Ryan. You have more experience with that than I, I do. I I really I don't I, know how. I don't know. I've I done my best to just try not to talk that way. Yeah, well, you <laughs> sound very sophisticated and, <laughs> and and urban. But I mean, with the town the way it is, it's just there's nothing to do there other than sit in your room, play guitar. That's so that's right. kind of the way we there just fell into music. You yeah. Know? Well, that's yeah. how you got good. Yeah, I mean, so you, things worked well, out. Well, not that's good. Cool. That's how we. <laughs> as well as good We're as you terrible. Can <laughs> you haven't heard us yet. You guys Why? are really yeah. good. Should we make you play something right now to prove it? Yep. Mm. Why don't we? Let okay. Me run and get my guitar. Yeah. Uh, I'll, sure. be we'll talk in, I'll be back. I'll be back in ten minutes. Fine. You got it. Okay. Where is it in Pearl River? <laughs> where Where is this guitar actually? I got a right question back. about Slidell that maybe you can answer. Uh, yeah, got sure. into an argument about this the other day. Why is it considered North Shore when it's east of here and connected to it? We don't have to cross the lake to get to it. Ryan, mm-hmm. you have to cross oh. the lake to get to Slido. By the way, that's that bridge. Have you ever been oh, to Slido? I thought that was like a river. <laughs> <laughs> that's the lake. No, I'm right. wondering this myself. Is it? Uh, but you do uh, have to go across the lake, right? Yeah, we didn't yeah. get a lot of geographical training in Pearl River <laughs> School. So. Those twin spans that you know blew down at Katrina that they rebuilt now, that's okay. across Lake Pontchartrain, as far as I'm aware. Isn't yep. that correct? That's correct. Right. Okay. Right. Does that yeah. explain it for you? But it's still east, so it's east shore? Yes, it is east of New Orleans. It's a sphere. What's really east? <laughs> it depends on <laughs> how you turn the map, right? Right. There you go. North shore. North is up. That's right. right. So that's just, right. it's lateral? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a good question. Well, of course, north is only out because of some ridiculous idea that we have. There's no reason we're suspended in space. Mm-hmm. Correct. Like north could be lateral, down. Uh, I meant vertical. Well, the planetary plane is <laughs> right above the plane that all the planets orbit on. That's what about it? Our Earth is rotating on us, and north is towards... 90 degrees off that. Dude, I, I just said north is up. Can we just leave it at that? <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't have got into this, but there's no reason for north to be up, right? I mean, we just decided that north is it, up. Yeah, exactly. Because we're, we're in space, which is, has no walls or direction. Is that correct? Seems like the way that you look at a panorama, and if you're not going to go to the north or south pole, then you might as well leave those at the top and bottom, and you'd rather look right to left in the panorama of the map. Maybe mm. it's that. Because we read right to left, maybe? Yeah, that thing. Not everybody. Not the Chinese. Right. No, Not we don't. Chinese, we read left to right, by the way, Randy. Well, there's... <laughs> Top what to I mean bottom, is, left to right. Yeah, horizontally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, what no. about... Some languages go yeah, up and right. down, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, Chinese or mm-hmm. Japanese, maybe. One of those. Tomato, Definitely. tomato. Jeopardy! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Um, what is reading left to right? Uh, what is? Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, Dominic, what are you thinking of playing here? Something off the record? Um... Actually, that, that From Nola With Love is a, uh, an EP that I'd put out. Uh, well, we, we played on it, but it was something that I did more as a solo thing, and the fixers are Oh, so what's the more. fixers record? Where can right you steal now we that? we don't have one. It's in oh. the works. I got some EPs for you guys, though, okay. for Sweet. hanging well, out here. Well, I just listened to you on SoundCloud, of course. I've heard you on Wednesdays at the House of Blues, and... Um, the songs are great. Oh, well, thank you. Really great. Thank you. Much. I don't know if we can. Can we do justice to them with just a guitar? With a, 
Um, With the same? Yeah, I'm okay. really good. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Which one? No, no. I, 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 that's why I have a band to make <laughs> me sound good. But this song that I'm going to do, it's a song that we wrote in, in the Fixers project, and it's called um, A Ghost in the River. So... Pearl River comes and back. And Ghost in the Pearl River. All no, right. it's, it's actually loosely based on, anybody here, Jeff Buckley? Oh, yeah. Sure. Jeff oh, Buckley. Jeff Buckley died in, a, in, the, in the Mississippi. River. In yeah. the Mississippi yeah. River with his boots on. Right. Okay, good. So it's a song good about that. Oh, there you go. Awesome. Okay. Well, actually, I know nothing about that. So now that you said that, now I, I should play a different song. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway. All right, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to just I went down to the 
Thank you very much. Jeff Buckley's Ghost on the Mississippi River. Very nice. Hey, uh, can you keep playing for one second while I, uh, while I uh, read these uh, sponsorship sure. messages? And then when we come back from this, Mood music. I'm going to uh, make you talk about working in Hollywood, Randy. Okay. Randy's, Randy's got a pretty interesting story about Hollywood success cool. in the film biz. He's quite a sort of a big I, shot. I've seen it from across the streets. Yeah. It's, hard to, it's hard to tell by looking at him, but he's actually sort of a Hollywood success story. Nice. I'll no, tell you no, all no, about no, it no, in no, just no, a minute. No, no. Today's show is brought to us in part by Petite Pet Care. If you're going out of town or you have a crazy schedule, the folks at Petite Pet Care will take care of your pet in his or her own home. For loving care when you're not there, you can go to PetitePetCare.com and Christy will hook you up. Thanks too to Basic Swim and Gym, a full range of fashion swimsuits, workout and yoga clothes are available there with style. They have uh, a bunch of cool stuff and you can find them on Magazine Street. Basic Swim and Gym is on Magazine Street near Jefferson Avenue. Thanks, too, to the folks at Hangover Destroyer, the only all-natural product medically proven to prevent a hangover. Go to the Hangover Destroyer website. It's called hdestroyer.com. Write the words happy hour on the coupon code if you can focus enough to see that. And you, too, can get 30% off of Hangover Destroyer and seize the dawn. And unlistednola.com, the revolutionary new way to buy a house in New Orleans if you have any money left over. If you know what you're looking for, you can find your perfect match before it comes on the market. It's the match.com of real estate. It's unlistednola.com. Thanks to all those guys for helping us make the show possible. And now Randy's got his uh, iPad out or something here as well. To-do list. As his to-do list. He's checking off his email. Checking your emails. He's a real Hollywood guy, this guy. See, I'm telling you. <laughs> so there's a lot of uh, you know, mythical stories you hear about, about people who start off in the, in film, in the film business in the mailroom at some, <laughs> at some agency. But you actually did. You actually started off in the yeah. mailroom. At, at Endeavor, which is a, an agency, right? Which was like a, mm-hmm. s- a spin-off of some of the big agencies. Right. It was founded by CAA guys. And CAA is the biggest agency in the film business. Right. It runs the whole right. town. And some of those guys split off and formed Endeavor. And it says in my information here that you started out of the mailroom. That's right. And uh, you've ended up hugely successful working for... No. It seems like, to us, it's hugely successful working for George Clooney and Steven Soderbergh, working for Peter Goober, Brett Ratner... Larry Mark and Pierce Brosnan's move, uh, company, <coughs> right, uh, and, and making a couple of award-winning films on top of it. Yeah, you, you um, wrote, directed, and filmed Five Minutes Late in New Orleans, which was voted number two in the Super Eight Millimeter film, which is you know okay, that's one thing. But what about this? It says here you made a uh, what is this cool movie I read about? A Burning Annie, probably. Burning Annie. Have you heard of this movie, Burning Annie? I haven't. Tell me about it. It was uh, it premiered at the Hamptons Film Festival, where it won six awards. It was it was acquired by Lightyear Warner Brothers, <coughs> and released. Uh, when did it come out? Two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. I just fist bumped him. That's nice. amazing. All those things are quite <laughs> a big awesome. deal to have achieved, especially to actually be a working person in, in Hollywood. Well, I don't work in Hollywood. Though. Well, you um, did though. What did you do for George Clooney, for example? I started as an assistant, um, and the standard ladder. Um, in development and you know you, you used to work in Hollywood right yeah. you, the mailroom people become assistants on desks and then from there they often move laterally to um, either management companies or the studio itself or production companies with a studio deal and that's what I did I, I became the story editor at Endeavor which was essentially packaging clients around you'd take a screenplay by a client you'd find a director who matched it and um, actors and then you'd present it to the agents as like see if this see if you're you know the clients like this teaming of of talent and essentially that's what an independent producer does and so i went to 
uh, worked for George Clooney, and um, it started as an internship. But Clooney was had he, this was in ninety eight ninety nine, and he had he was kind of um, flailing a bit. Uh, he had made a couple of really bad commercial films, and and then he made Out of Sight with Steven Soderbergh, and it changed his entire reputation. And he teamed up and changed his company from a little from a vanity label to a really important independent film kind of machine inside the, the Hollywood system. And then so I learned in there um, kind of how to put movies together and the value of like prestige over like commercial stuff. And I kind of got a, a fire in my belly about that and, and then became an independent producer. And while I was putting together Burning Annie, um, I was uh, a professional uh, screenplay analyst, um, which is to say I was writing coverage and notes um, for those production companies that you and they're all very mentioned. important jobs in Hollywood a person who writes coverage which is the sort of lowest of the low because you're just reading screenplays and getting $45 <laughs> or something right that that actually determines the fate of a screenplay yeah on a Monday morning whether it's actually going to be go ahead as a project or it's going to fail so that, it, was, that yeah. was all on you the, the value the readers are a, a weird group because they have different levels of importance in different kinds of companies in a place like um, Brett Ratner's company had two dozen readers or something on the staff and uh, and they were just churning through material and it wasn't you know you never got to talk to any of the executives you only talked to assistants but on a, um, at a Larry Marks company for instance I was in meetings they brought me onto the studio a lot I was able to like actually have a conversation about the material that they took seriously um, and it was pretty interesting it felt, felt like being a development exec did you find anything great while you were working there? Yeah, several scripts. And that I, I actually, when I formed my production company, I uh, actually pursued several of them. Um, and it was weird because I got to read a lot of material that's gotten made in the last 15 years, which um, a lot of which um, I said, oh, this, is, this has got something there, but it's not good yet. And then it would get like... Um, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Oh, I don't know if you guys have heard yeah. of that film. Yeah. yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, that that came off of a novel, um, and the novel was really problematic in a lot of ways. And uh, and I thought, well, there's you know, I gave it a pass, but I was sort of like keep an eye on it. And when so Clooney passed on it, and it went to Brad Pitt, and Brad Pitt made it. And um, that's and a I pretty guess good idea, though. They just thought that you could. You could pass on something and then buy it for yourself. Like, yeah, yeah, and I did that a few times. Actually. Nice. Yeah. Is there any sort of anti-corruption rules there in it's Hollywood, or doesn't? Everyone gets paid in the end, so there's no. It's not breaking any rules, you know. So t- you hit on something pretty interesting because George Clooney was a guy. He was on like what, what show was he on? He was on the fact. Yeah, ER was yeah, the big so show that. Broke yeah, him, yeah, yeah. And, and then he was sort of just like a sort of a schlocky kind of actor. He was like mm-hmm. a good-looking guy, and he. No one took him seriously, but somehow he transformed himself into this sort of intellectual. Yeah. But how, so how did he... You were there for that. How, yeah. How did, was that all because of that one movie? It, yeah, it was... For Soderbergh was also coming off a slump, and they sort of needed each other in a really... In a way, Soderbergh needed commercial traction. And Is that what... Like, Oceans? When, when, yeah, they, was, was that before or that was after? At, so, Out of Sight was 98, Oceans 11 was 2001. Okay. So... It was in that in, in the year that I worked for Clooney, he made um, The Perfect Storm with Wolfgang Peterson. He made Oh Brother, Where Art Thou with the Coen Brothers. Great. He made Three Great. Kings. <laughs> um, and it was working with those caliber directors, you know, like multiple Oscar winners basically across the board, um, changed his... Everyone realized this is, he's not going to be, uh, you know, 
no offense to Pierce, a Pierce Brosnan type of actor. He was, and he's developed his own material, and that was really important. And he was writing too. He sold an HBO pilot that he wrote, um, which never got picked up to series, but he was clearly moving in the direction of an, of an auteur. In even the, in even the, in George the path Clooney of, couldn't get a screenplay produced at HBO. Are you serious? <laughs> well, it got, picked, it got bought and shot. It just not picked up the series. So that's yeah. pretty. But it was. But he's instructive. A, you know, he wrote "Good Night and Good Luck." Um, yeah, so he's a smart guy. Yeah. Right. So he's. So he deserves to be treated as an intellectual because right. he actually is. One. Well, he's very. He comes from a family of journalists, um, actually, which is. Well, Rosemary and, and Clooney is his what? Uh, gran- I think his gr- grandmother or aunt or something. Or great great aunt, maybe. Yeah. Right. So, so she was. I don't know whether she was any intellectual, but she was certainly an entertainer. <laughs> and his his parents are journalists. I believe so. You'd like to have yeah. another drink if you'd like, Randy, by the way. That's all right. <laughs> okay. So tell us about the current film you're working on. Oh, Laundry, Laundry Day. Day. Yeah, Laundry yeah. Day is um, uh, it's a, it's basically about a, a bar fight I saw in Checkpoint Charlie's uh, <laughs> right after Katrina, um, where I was sitting on a stool minding my own business with my, the first beer of the afternoon. And the what laundry, time are we talking about? Uh, 4 p.m. Oh, that's pretty reasonable. Know, on like a Tuesday, yeah, right. maybe. Yeah. And this uh, band was playing, and it was there's a weird tension in the room, but it's checkpoints. So there's always a weird tension just in the room. In the, in the void. <laughs> well, describe but checkpoint challenge to people who are listening to the show might not okay. have been here. It's a 24-hour bar laundromat nightclub. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, enough said. That sort of caters to <laughs> like you know with, service with industry food. and gutter punks. Yeah, and it's got a restaurant in it. Um, a restaurant. It's a yeah. It's French a grill. fries and they got a yeah. grill. You know, <laughs> it's, it's and it's right on the intersection of the French Quarter and Frenchman Street. Um, so it gets this amazing uh, tides of of tourists and, and gutter punks and then service industry getting off work and and so on. Um, and and uh, and this particular afternoon, a fight broke out at the bar between two people that caused everyone else in the bar to jump in on the fight. Oh, wow. And then the singer on stage in mid-song jumped off stage, grabbed the chair, and started swinging it at people and ended up knocking out the bartender who had just jumped around to break it up. <laughs> wow. Um, and well, you couldn't have written this any better than that. It was pretty amazing. Um, but the, the really amazing thing, I mean, bar fights are actually pretty common in New Orleans, I've found, uh, at least in the bars I like. And they... <laughs> I got to know everybody involved in that fight over the next five or six years. So the band um, turned out to be a Washboard Lisa uh, and with Roberto Ludi and Nervous Dwayne. I don't know if you know these guys. Mm. They're all, yeah, French yeah. Quarter uh, veterans. And um, the bartender, Angelo, became a friend of mine. And, um, and as I told the story over the, you know, to friends over the years, I found I could shorthand the story by just saying, instead of describing the band, I could say it was Washboard Lisa, and everyone would go, oh, well, that makes sense, you know, and, and so forth. And the more you got to know the people involved, the better the story was. And I had this idea for telling a, a story about New Orleans where you, as a lot of people do, they come to the city and they're just saucer-eyed at the strangeness. Um, and then they live here for a decade and they don't even blink when something crazy is happening, you know? And I, I thought I could open a story with a crazy incident and then take you back and, get, and teach you who these people are and then show you it again at the end of the movie, and it's a completely different event, even though it's exactly the same. Ah, and that's, that's what Laundry Day is. Tarantino it. Yeah, it's a little, like, um, 
uh, a little like Go. If you ever saw that movie, that Doug, Doug Lyman's second film. Um, it's yeah, it's definitely got all those great non-linear things. Definitely stole something from Soderbergh in his his handling of time. Um, oh, that sounds awesome. That sounds amazing. so. You see this fight. Uh, the movie opens with a big fight. Mm-hmm. And the guy jumps off stage in the band, just, just as you just described it. Right. And then what do you go to after that? How do you go back? How, so what you do? So what I did was, and, and I, don't, I don't know that this structure has ever been done, but maybe uh, it's not dissimilar from Rashomon, but it has one important difference. When we open with the fight, we don't see the end of the fight. We, we get about a minute into it, and we lock in on a person and then jump back to their morning and see them wake up and then oh. go through their day, and we walk through their day in their shoes, and you start seeing characters from the fight in their world intersecting them, is, you know. Is the jump back some sort of, like, PowerPoint-esque graphic transition, <laughs> or do you put, like, 12 hours earlier or something? Um, we did it without, uh, without the words, uh-huh. you know. We, cool. we did some Just clever uh, stuff with running the footage backwards and okay. so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so who's we? Who are you working with? Well, uh, we, it's an all-New Orleans you? group of uh, people. This is the, the, one of the things I wanted to do was prove that independent film, that you could make a complete feature here without using Hollywood South, and, but, um, but at the same time not trying to sort of play their game. So we, we have, um, yeah, I wrote, directed, and produced it, and we, are, we used an entirely, um, like our average crew member age was like 23 years old. Probably average, meaning there's some twelve-year-olds in it. <laughs> no, they're more like eighteen-year-olds, probably. Uh, okay. You know? um, and uh, and then we and then our cast is the the thing about Hollywood South is that they don't really hire our great actors for good roles. They people who so are, we have great actors here. Yes, lot lots of them, and okay. they they uh, they do theater and they win awards. We have a lifetime achievement award winner in, in our cast. But when Hollywood South comes calling, they've already cast all the top roles. Right. So they end up as reporter number two or barista number three or the cab driver or whatever um can i just ask you a question has nobody in new orleans in the last how many ever years we've been making movies here now 10 or more thought about doing this making a movie here we're using local talent well a few there are a few um there's a there's uh i I keep track of them in a in a blog I write called Essential Nola Cinema which is because what I'm interested in is films where New Orleans is actually New Orleans not anywhere USA or dystopian future where where (laughs) it's shot you mean as New Orleans not just as a backdrop or something okay and are there many of those? there are very few I mean it's it's really amazing the uh the independent scene when as I found it when I moved here in 2006 (laughs) is largely identical with a huge with with the main difference being in a gigantic amount of um, like uh, physical resources are now available in a way they weren't cameras, um, dolly trucks, grip trucks, so on and so forth. But the actual number of filmmakers is maybe I don't know. There's we have two or three really indigenous features made a year here, um, and uh, and by here I mean New Orleans, not Louisiana in general. Um, right. And it's. And it's frustrating because there's a lot of one and done directors. A lot of a lot of kids come out of UNO. They've made shorts that maybe have won awards or played the local festival, and they get a fire. They get fired up about doing a feature because they have this idea that it's that it's sort of like you know the the story of Goodwill Hunting, where two actors wrote parts for themselves and et cetera. Or they have this idea that it's like Clerks or El Mariachi, which was 20 years ago, 20-plus years ago now. The, the market for independent films is completely different, and they make the film, they put their blood, sweat, and tears into it, and it maybe premieres at the New Orleans Film Festival to, um, 
but there are no distributors. There's nobody. The phone doesn't ring. And um, was well, that because it sucks? Or because no, because nobody's it seeing it. Because it's not a yeah, that's not a market festival. There are only a handful of festivals where people actually buy and sell films. Uh, most if, of, if I know, made a great movie, though, like suppose you made a great movie, is there? Right. How do you get it seen? How do you get out well, of here? Well, that's the that's the trick. That we have a, a problem in New Orleans uh, in the filmmaking community where there's there's no education about um, how to answer that question. You know, the film schools here largely focus on either academic aspects of film, like film history, or they focus on um, nuts and bolts. But is this what, is this what you, you know? learn in film school, is how to sell a film? I thought you learned no. how to make a film. No. I mean, uh, even yeah. at USC or UCLA or anything. Yeah, those programs are better um, at it. I mean, obviously, they're the, among the best in the world, but um, UNO and Tulane and stuff, they don't have a program to explain you know, the independent film Well, is you know, there an explanation? Do you know how... I mean, you've been... Yeah. on all sides of the camera here now. Yeah, and I, and well, I how sold the do film. You, how do you get this film you've made out of New Orleans then into, into the world? How well, you, ha- you have to be in the larger national independent film circuit. You have to sort of, you have to get yourself out there. In New Orleans, it's very tricky because the industry doesn't come to you. And by industry, I mean the independent film industry, not Hollywood South. But, like, so... Well, how you, so how are you going to do it? So where, where are you with this movie? So Laundry Days, th- th- what we're going to do is I'm going to... I have to have I have all these we've had we have like a thousand people who've helped us with the film and they deserve the first screening so I'm gonna just so it's almost finished yeah it's almost finished I'm gonna book the Britannia once you get the headphones thing figured out (laughs) right you'll be able to finish it okay so you're gonna book the Britannia theater right for uptown for one night okay um, and then how many people can you squeeze in there that's a good question I think it's not that 600? many. 600? okay. Wow. Yeah. So that'll be, uh, that'll be for cast and crew type thing only. Exactly. So we can't go see that. That's correct. Okay. And, then we're, and then 2016 is all about getting it into the hands of programmers. Um, and, and then the, what you want is, the way independent films build buzz is about tastemakers giving it their stamp of approval. Like getting people who are connected and well-respected to pass it on to people or to say something good about it in a, in a setting where... Um, where there's another person higher up the ladder who will hear it. So it's about buzz. Buzz is the okay. Well, like who? Like motor Leon oil. Bland, or say? <laughs> no, it has to. It, somebody connected to distribution, ideally. So you're, George Clooney. You know, right? Could so you send it to George Clooney? Say, hey, listen, remember me? Remember me, right? I've yeah. made a movie. Take <laughs> a look just, at just it. Just don't send it to Pierce Brosnan, just in case yep. he hears this interview. <laughs> yep. No, no, <laughs> yeah, no. What's the chance of, of getting George Clooney to see it? Are you, are you still in touch with anybody there? Clooney is um, Clooney's production company has changed shape about three times since he, he severed his ties with Soderbergh. He's now working with Grant Hensloff. The production company is called Smokehouse, and uh, and Smokehouse. he's essentially doing his own thing. Um, so he doesn't really have a, a, a development staff anymore because they're, they're generating Well, you don't care material. about that. You've finished the movie. You don't need to develop it. It's no, finished. what I mean is the development staff would be the, the kinds of people who um, like look at material and bring it to George's attention. Oh, I see. You know, so gatekeepers for his mm. attention. Cause, you know, I well, don't how have, would you get something to him then? Well, he must have someone representing him or something. I mean, I know his former executives who work there. You know, and they're, they they're all over Hollywood. They're now. not there anymore. Right, exactly. Hmm. It's a tricky thing. It's one of those things I think about constantly. Is like, like, get your to-do you know, list out and let's see if it's on there. <laughs> yeah, is it is it on there? No, because that's a high rung. Like, I, I need to do like five hundred steps to get back to a position where I could get it to him. You know, like hmm. things like um, I need to go to Sundance and meet 
people. Oh, the it's a whole schmoozing bullshit exactly. thing. Exactly. It's, it's oh, that sucks. You can't just yeah. send it to somebody. Just email no. him. Just <laughs> <laughs> George at georgeclooney.com. Sure yeah. <laughs> Can you make I think a trailer? He has a Gmail account. We have a trailer. Um, Where do we find it? Laundrydayfilm.com. Laundrydayfilm. Okay. Did you film it at Checkpoint Charlie's? We filmed it, yes. We filmed Sweet. it on, all on actual locations and actual 24-hour dive so bars. what about the people who were in the fight? They, were they in the movie no, as well? No. Oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> well, Please bring an act. A couple of them were gutter other. punks who just kind of evaporated. So, right. <laughs> you know. yes, That's what do. gutter punks do. They just mm. evaporate. Well, that. I'm looking forward to seeing this then. So if we go to laundrydayfilm.com, we can see the trailer at least. Yeah. And if and anyone listening to this knows George Clooney or anybody, not yeah. him. What's important is... Um, in this modern, in 2015, getting a lot of people's, like, you know, you guys seem interested in the film, getting you guys to get on the mailing list so I can show somebody we have all these interested people. Um, Shit, we could help you out with that. Yeah, How much are you song. paying us for that? Yeah. <laughs> can I have that 20 back? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, so that, that helps, that kind of bullshit, like the Facebook page yes. and Twitter followers and all that crap. They're called Is metrics, it? and it's all about metrics but now. You know you can buy all that stuff? Yeah, but that doesn't count. That doesn't count. So somebody knows that. You need actionable, uh, actionable fans. You know, you need to, it, having 10,000 likes on Facebook doesn't matter if you can't get 10,000 people to buy a CD or a DVD. You know, it's... Um, How do you do that? How does someone yeah. who you send this to, say, ABC Productions or whatever it's called, XYZ Productions, and they say, who well, who the fuck is this guy? And they look you up on Facebook. Right. And say, oh, he's got 10,000 films. How do they know that you couldn't because sell 10,000? Because there's, there's multiple metrics. If there's one metric that's way out of whack with the rest, if I have 100 Twitter followers and 10,000 likes on Facebook, that's can, a huge red flag. You can buy all that. You can get... I got something... Did right. you see... I got something on Twitter that someone sent me because, you know, we have this... You know, it's New Orleans Twitter account where we have the thing about the uh, person blowing themselves up in France. Mm. And um, someone sent me this thing that said, we can get you X million Twitter right. followers overnight. I'm like, mm. yeah, sure thing. And for free, they give you a demo, and you just type in, like, I don't know, two or three, you know, parameters what you're looking for. I'm looking for, you know, Swedish lingerie models or something. Well, I imagine... And sure enough, there's, like, 500 people show up on your Twitter feed. They're bots. In minutes. They're bots, and then Twitter cancels all the accounts Ah, as soon as they catch them, and your numbers drop again. Oh, okay. And meanwhile, you're out the money because there's no refunds. Um, well, I didn't pay anything, but I assume you have to pay eventually for that. Right. So that's, none of that works, though. None of that stuff. Works. None of that matters to a distributor because what they really want are like, you know, it's think of the 90s independent filmmakers who we're still talking about today. They, like Quentin Tarantino and Kevin Smith um, and Robert Rodriguez, they were all great. Um, they, they were the great audience builders. They, well, Kevin they, Smith, those movies sucked, basically, didn't they? Yeah, That's but crazy. he's a... He's didn't a, you remember the clerks and all a, that crap? But he's and a Silent speaking, Bob and some fucking thing. Yeah, he's like he's a, a hype He's a public merchant. speaking phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, this he's, guy a, is, he's a hypester. Yeah. He, the film sucked. I thought they were stupid. Even he admits that. Like, but he does. It's something about <laughs> um, a combination of the material. Like, he couldn't have done that just on his own. He just would have been another... He, he, having all these movies, there's a, 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 a synergy that keeps his audience intact and growing. It's kind of amazing considering the films are eh. But, um, well, what's the explanation? Because we can. I would go back to that term yeah. tastemaker, which just made me. Exactly. Oh man, it just uh, makes me disgusted with the, you know, the the uh, complexion of art in general. Because mm. whether it's film or music or anything, there are these tastemakers who are also just tasters like everybody else. Right. And they get a taste and they like it and then everybody else says, oh, I want a taste of that, you know? Yeah. It just, mm, Because they stand for something. It's really weird 
uh, I'm not a follower of any of these people um, except as artists, but you look into their little communities, they've got basically self-sustaining cults that follow them around and just buy whatever they're putting out. Kevin Smith makes more money on t-shirts and stuff than he does on mm-hmm. films now. Um, but, you know, the, you the weird... What, you can laugh it's it's we, called audience building, and, it, and well, it's that's the thing right. in music... We, yeah, too. we can we can make fun of Kevin Smith and say he sucks, but we're still talking about him. I know exactly. How and, he's, does, and he's maintained his relevancy over time. Right. In fact, maybe even more so because his his business model, you know, he struggled with the studio system a lot in the early two thousands because of because he he wasn't really ready for the bigger films and didn't really care because he wanted to make films for his friends and that. And I think that's what he's really good at, is making you feel like you're hanging out in a living room with him and his pals, and they're just entertaining you with their fart jokes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that coziness, that intimacy, is, is, it's rare to be able to do that in mass media. Um, and so, anyway, I, I feel like audience building is like the, the name of the game now. Okay. And with Laundry Day, the, the appeal is kind of basically like New Orleans as it really is, as opposed to the way you've seen it. So that's, you know, that's the hook. I'm trying to sell the, the real New Orleans. Yeah. Well, that's and what we're about. What? That's what we're about. Happy hour. That's what we're talking right. about. We're trying exactly. to make a show that's about the real New Orleans. And a bunch of people sitting around a bar talking. And, that was, yeah. you're, and you're, the, you're the first podcast. In fact, this is probably the first bit of uh, media I've ever been on to promote the movie. Ever. Well, hey, this is a good place you know? to start because yeah. no, no one's listening. So we, awesome. we were on the Ellen show. You were, the, were you? What? No, no, not at all. <laughs> but she's from New Orleans. She, yeah. That's true. So I that figure true. maybe kind of we can get away. No, your movie sounds amazing. I have a list at home of, of people from New Orleans, like uh, Patricia Clarkson, you know, who are, but they're, what, they, I don't know if they're, are they from Metairie? Because there's so many people from here who don't seem like here, you know? Well, that's the cool thing about New Orleans, though. It, like, there's so many people who are here who are different, you know, it's such a divide. Well, yeah. the, the difference is people aren't leaving here anymore, they're staying here. Yeah, yeah. and that's a problem. There's not and a whole bunch of people. They're coming here. <laughs> they're coming here. Yeah. yeah, you can find people coming here who are tastemakers now. Is that right? I don't have a clue, but that's what everyone says. <laughs> there's this revolution that all these people are moving here. Yeah, it's, I hear my, most of my friends are musicians and bartenders, and they, every once in a while, they'll come in from work and be like... Seth Rogen was sitting at my bar, and I hung out with him, and I'm like, did you mention my movie? Oh, I forgot. <laughs> oh, thank you. What kind of friend are you? Yeah. You know. Like, do they, are they like, dude, we're, we're, we're your friend. We're tired of mentioning your art form. Because we get that. <laughs> no, I just think they're, you know, it's, it would. Can't you make I, something? I'm being tongue-in-cheek about it, but yeah. basically they're, uh, there's these giant people in the industry who kind of hang out in the French Quarter a lot and well, they make you, a lot of movies Why don't you leave something to help make them leave behind? Because like I a need match, the intel ahead of time, book not after the match. That's what I leave on the bar. Like these guys have got something in their back pocket to give George Clooney or, uh, yeah. or well, Seth Rogen when they urinal that I can piss on, you know, something like right, that. Right, but I'd have to go to every bar in the Quarter every day to keep nah, the stack of stuff. Hustle. You gotta hustle. Well, I do. What would be wrong with that? I mean, they're not going to give away. What have you got? Here we go. Oh, it's All right. Okay, now you're talking. And we got the soundtrack. I'm really proud of the soundtrack. It's all original songwriters in a city that doesn't really give songwriters their due. Sweet Crude, Lynn Drury, Happy Talk Band, Jim Smith, Stan Frontier, Best Patterson, Dirty Mouth, Gal Holiday, Caddy Wamps, Andy J. Forrest, Fox and the Hound, Barehanded Bear Handlers, and Little Freddie King. Whole bunch of locals. You Did got that, good right? eyesight. I'll say that. It's on the back, dude. It's way I bigger. Know. I oh, can, you can see, see it. You can see that. <laughs> What's that little type say? It says. Um, oh, can't read that. It says you can't read that either. Featuring new songs and original music by Sneaky Pete and the Fens, 
and a soundtrack of New Orleans' best songwriters. Nice. Nice. That's I great. see you didn't include Andrew Duhon in your well, you know, we just collection met. of best songwriters. Yeah, but I, I'm going to make you play a song now. <laughs> come on, Shit. let's do it. Yeah, any, uh, yeah, Andrew, Andrew play, play something. Yeah. Oh, look, right, it's, they've turned the lights down. It's nice and subdued lighting now. Moody. All right, I'll go okay. grab the axe. Go get the guitar. You got any uh, movie-themed uh, material? Are you kidding? Uh, it all fits movies. Yeah. It's all, it's all right in that wheelhouse. Yeah, every time Andrew plays something, which is mo- most weeks, I say that should be in a movie. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that right, you guys? Yeah. I, when I, every time I listen yeah. to this say, podcast. That should be in a movie. You say so that. this song that he's going to play today, should, is it too late to get a song in the movie? Yeah, it is. Sorry. <laughs> it's but it's next all movie, over. I, plan to, I want to do a movie a year for the rest of my life. So that's like Woody that's Allen. That's a lot that's of that. soundtracks. You could, marry, <laughs> you could marry your own daughter. Do you have a stepdaughter? That's a good Wait a minute. How did we <laughs> That was a really fast set of jumps there. Woody Allen makes a movie every year, and he's made a movie every year for the last, I don't That's know, true. 40 years, and he married his own stepdaughter, so I thought maybe, no, is it maybe that would be a good way in yeah. for you. Well, that's funny. My first movie, Burning Annie, is about a, a college student with an Annie Hall obsession. And it we, is. we actually yeah. got Woody Allen's permission to make it. Um, so you know Woody Allen pretty much. I know his lawyer. <laughs> Jesus Irvin Christ. Tenenbaum, yeah. Irvin Tenenbaum. Well, that would be a good person to send laundry day to right there. Uh, I never, I don't know. Does it have an inappropriate relationship with a 15-year-old or anything like that? No. Well, you probably wouldn't like it then, but still, <laughs> you could try. <laughs> you it's could an interesting se- thought. Send it to Irvin Tenenbaum. And say, what? Check this out. I think this is a great movie. I was inspired by my first movie, which was based on Annie Hall. Or whatever the hell it was based on, make right. that, you have to make that shit up, and then uh, <laughs> and then see if Woody watches it. I mean, what else has he got to do all day or night? Right, really? you got to give a shout. He yeah. must be eighty years old. Hey, we got a good text coming in right here. That was my mother. What does oh, she? Good. What does she say? She Dominic? said, "Are y'all home for us to come see Jack?" Jack. Jack is my six-year-old son. It's his birthday today. Nice. Oh. One of four. Happy birthday, four Jack! Kids. You have yeah. four kids already. I do. Wow. Yeah. That's what they do in Pearl River. Mm-hmm. But you're like That's part of the deal. Nothing else you're not to do. married yeah. to your own sister or cousin or anything, are you? No, well, she was my... Um, okay. oh. No, I'm not going to go there with it. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> but just say, yeah. no, you're not married to your own cousin or sister. No, not that I know of. Not that I know of. We're no. British. So, um, yeah, Kira, Killian, Jack, and Bruce. I'm going to just say all my kids' names. All, all right. right. Oh, oh, very nice. So Jack is six. Jack is and six. And how old's Kira, the oldest? Kira, she is 11. Killian, my son, is eight. And then Bruce is 19 months. Wow. Cool. So yeah. you look pretty young. You must have started when you were pretty young. I did. I was like four. You <laughs> your first kid at four. That's nice. Yeah. That's the Pearl River way. Right, yeah. right. Okay. That's a girl kind of, kid. I watch Jeez. a lot of um, James Bond movies. Not the Pierce Brosnan one. Mm-hmm. So, no, but yeah, James Bond, he taught me how to um, stumble into my it. wife. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. And how long have you been married? You Almost 10 years, 10 years, I think. So you started having kids pretty early on. Yeah, and I'm still doing the math. I'm still figuring out how that works. I can't figure that out. But were you high school sweethearts there at Pearl River High? Or no, no. She went to North Shore, actually. North okay. Shore. So how did you Slidell. meet? Um, she basically stalked me. Yeah, and, I um, could see that. I was like, all right, I'll give it a whirl. And I did. Worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you, Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> They're all giving me this look now. Like, oh, God. No, she's got a sense of humor. That's it. It's okay. important. All right. And so Jack's six today. Jack's six And what are you today. doing for his birthday? Mom's coming over. Well, Where mom, does mom live? Your um, mom. Mom lives past Pearl River, actually. Oh, she lives in Mississippi. Past Pearl, no, um, 
There's still more Louisiana. There's probably. still there's a there's a hidden city behind Pearl River called Six Ward. Six, Six Ward. There's, there's another hidden city between those two. What? Called what Hickory. Oh, is there? Yes. You go there. There's nothing oh but. Okay, stars. so it goes Slidell, mm-hmm. Hickory. Uh-huh. Six Ward. Yes. Before you get the to Mississippi. The Ward of Six. I don't know what's beyond that point. I'm afraid I of the Mississippi going dragon. It's <laughs> the, <laughs> at the map and <laughs> you, it's the beyond, and then after that is the bed and bath. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Oh, that's very good. Okay. Thanks. That was witty. All right. That I was, was that saving was. that for okay. this. That was a good, good line. <laughs> Thank you. Thank okay, you. You crossed that off now on your to list. Yeah, I, Andrew, I, I got you it pl- from when are you playing? I, I told uh, Randy while you were gone that this would be good movie music. Oh well, we'll see. So um, I wrote the song in Lafayette, and you know. I like to play new things. And I wrote a new one this afternoon, but I can't remember it. Possibly oh, there's way God, too many words. So, but next week I'll, I'll have it down. Right. But this one you probably already heard, but yeah, it goes like this. I was taken back by a photograph, never seen such a face. She was a waitress from the days of black and white Taken here though so many years ago at this cafe And I'm sure these days she wouldn't recognize Oh, Cecilia Champagne I've come along much too late To know the day made a name But had our times been the same I'd visit you every day Oh, Cecilia I'd steal you away It seems I've come along much too late Time passes on, even black and white fades, and we move along. Still in my mind, lips of red wine, strawberry blonde, cherry cokes for the boys in your uniform. Oh, Cecilia Champagne, I've come along much too late. Know the days of your maiden name But had our times been the same I'd visit you every day Oh, Cecilia, I'd steal you away It seems I've come along much too late been a man back then, back when you were a woman. Oh, Cecilia Champagne, I've come along much too late to know the days of your maiden name. But had our times been the same, I'd visit you every day. Oh, Cecilia, 
Fabulous Andrew Duhon. Thanks, Joe. Cecilia Champagne off the forthcoming album, Fill in the Blank. It'll probably make it. Mm-hmm. I love the champagne theme we've got going. <laughs> yeah. It's much better we than the death and horror theme we had at the beginning. Well, we started <laughs> off with the champagne <laughs> oh, theme yeah. from Alison. Yeah, Marie, and the the Charlie Hebbo cartoon yep. and Allison's trip. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Allison just got back from, from Paris, so nice to see her back safe and sound, and that's a beautiful song to end the show on. Thanks, buddy. Cecilia Champagne from Andrew Great. Duhon. Thank you so much for... Being here, filmmaker Randy Mack has been here. The members of the Fixers, pleasure. Leon Bland, his brother Dominic, <laughs> and uh, and Ryan Duke yes. as well. Thank, Thank you. you guys so much for joining us. That's Thank you for having us for another week. You can uh, find out more about all these people on our website. It's newwomans.com. Our show was produced today by Graham DePonte. It was uh, technically produced and associate produced as well by Chris Kehoe. Christian Unruh is our music director. And our theme music was written by and is currently being played by Mitch Foreman. Check out Mitch's brand new album called Puzzle. You can find that at MitchellForeman.com. If you'd like to be on this show and you can sit around a table for about 60 minutes and stay relatively sober, drop us a line. Our address is on our website. It's newwomans.com. Where you can find plenty of other happy hours to listen to as well as some other shows we make here. Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti, live from Commander's Palace. Also, we make Out to Lunch in Lafayette and Baton Rouge. You can find those if you poke around online as well. True to the Game with Chris True. Midnight Menu Plus One with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans. Ray Canada is on our website as well. As Louisiana Eats with Poppy Tooker, Milo's Music Parlor with Kim Vu and The Revolution. You're a new way to buy a house in New Orleans, the podcast, Unlisted NOLA. You can keep up with us on Facebook, on Twitter as well, and a bunch of other time-sucking social media. On all of it, we're called It's New Orleans. You can also find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Facebook and Google Plus pages that nobody uses. Those photos were taken by the fabulous Alison Moon, who we talked to earlier in the show. If you listen to this on iTunes or Stitcher or some other podcast app, thank you for subscribing to us. I mean that. Thank you. It does help to have a few people listening to the show. There's three people listening now, Randy. That should help with the help you with the mailing list on the to-do list. You can help us as well by taking a moment to stop and rate and review us. That helps other people find us. Our show is recorded live today at the fabulous Wayfair on Ferret Street, where they put fine dining into a sandwich, fine booze into a glass, and have an awesome brunch both days of the weekends. That's Saturday and Sunday. Keeping track. Happy Hours of Production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For Andrew Duhon, everyone around the table here at Wayfair and back at our office at INO where they're working hard on tomorrow's tweets. Make sure you check those out on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. We'll see you back here next week on Happy Hours.